the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a teaching on prayer. Not just how to pray, but why we pray this way. That's next in Luke 11, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. go to Luke 11 and the Lord's Prayer, Disciples' Prayer, for a pattern or an example, illustration on how to pray. But we seldom go beyond that. A few extra verses and we get a clear indication and understanding through a parable as to why we pray this way. And that is what we're looking at here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. The Teaching on Prayer. Our series, Parables from the Book of Luke, continues. Here's Pastor Phil with today's program. Anybody ever bought a home? I mean, after, by the time I signed the 50th document, I said, do you want any more security? Yeah. No, no, it's not. I just ask. No, no, no. We want you to tie up your family inheritance for 100 years just to get this place. Because we trust you immensely. Here, he said, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Now, that means you want it. Have you ever lost anything that you really sought? In other words, prayer is never for the passive. It won't appeal to you. If you want it just to happen to you, God do it. You know, it's like buying an exercise machine, and when you buy your treadmill... You ask if you could strap on everything and just turn on a motor so it moves your legs. No, you've got to do it. And in prayer, we say, well, it all sounds good. Will God do it for me? No. My father used to tell the story about a lazy farmer in the community that uh, would not bring in his crop, would not feed his kids. And so the men decided to lynch him. Uh, what's this? Oklahoma, 1899, no law. And so they decide to, to, to hang him just to get rid of the, the you know, the stigma on the neighborhood. And uh, as they're taking the man, they've got him tied up in the back of a wagon. And they're taking him. And the neighbors uh, and the farmers begin to feel bad. And all of a sudden, they begin to think, well, we could donate this. We could donate that. And all of a sudden, one farmer said, well, I can give him a bushel of corn. And the guy raised up in the back. He said, is it shucked? And he said, why no? He said, keep driving. (laughs) Now, you ignorant city folks don't even know that, but that's all right. May God illuminate you. You know, and that's right, it's prayer. Will you do it for me, God? No, I won't. Will you ask for me? No, I won't. Well, what if I don't ask? I'll give it to someone that does. I, I get kind of tickled because, you know, we like to compare denominations and groups. And we'll see a group that's just blessing, and they don't believe half the good stuff we believe. And we're just half mad about it. You know what they do believe? They believe in asking. They believe in seeking. 
And we're over here setting on about three truths that have become moldy. We've set on them so long. Why don't you ask? Why don't you seek and knock? And I've noticed different kinds of knocks in prayer. I don't think he said tap. I used to do evangelism in South Richmond. We used to evangelize down at Chancellor and Cutting and McDonald. And my brother and I would always canvas on Saturdays. We'd be having a revival meeting. And we always had prophecies that said they'd come from the north, south, and east, and west. They normally went that way. But there's at least 83 of us. And, and we'd go out, we'd canvas on Saturday. And I was just breaking in. And the rougher the neighborhood got, I would do what I would call tap evangelism. And that means you go up to the door and you, they're not home, let's go. <laughs> say, what do you mean they're not home? And Paul, he said, how'd that door go? He said, well, you run into 10 neighbors that aren't home. Not home. I didn't want him to open the door. I didn't, I was frozen. I didn't want to be 15 years old trying to, you, you need Jesus. And they said, you do too, the way you're acting. You're a nervous wreck. But I, you know, if you didn't, you, I'd always look for a house where there's a lot of newspapers collected. Well, we knocked on doors today. Yeah, you did. You tapped on doors. Knock. On the door to heaven's provision has these words, knock and keep on knocking. It's not because he who's inside is deaf. He just wants to see how bad you want it. If it's not worth two knocks, don't bother. He already knows what you need before you get there. But just what would you do if between you and feeding some starving children was a door and on the other side was someone that had all the means if you can just get their attention? Now let's switch and say, what if you knew your heavenly father was on the other side of the door? He said, all you got to do is I want to know if you want it bad enough to knock. And if you'll knock... I'll tell you right now, the door will be open and you'll see a treasure chest in the Father's house that you will be amazed at how much I've got that I like to send on. You just got to knock. You just got to seek. You just got to ask. Then he gives another encouraging story. He wants us to do this. He adds another parable story. Watch what he says. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Now, would that be something else? We, we would t- turn them over to child custody services or something to arrest them. But you know what? Even a bad dad, I don't think, would have any fun doing that. Do you think? Even a man that's not a believer, it's inherent in fatherhood to want to meet the needs of your children. Whether you're a sinner or if you're God the Father. So he says, inherent in the concept of fatherhood is the delight and the desire to meet the need of one's children, no matter their... Uh, you see, I just saw a man here the other night interviewed. I believe it was 2020. Uh, I forget how many people he'd killed. He was an underworld figure. He was a mean guy. He was the Iceman killer. 
he would put them in a refrigerator. Some people he would have there for two years before he would chop them up and bury them. And what brought his downfall is uh, when the coroner finally got a body, they found icicles inside the corpse, and they knew they'd been refrigerated, and it led to his discovery. So he became known as the Iceman Killer. And uh, they're interviewing him. He's very frank. He tells everything. And only towards the end of the interview did he break. He didn't sob, but he, he broke. He said, when I realized the shame... An embarrassment, I brought my wife and children, who none of them knew what he was into. He said, this is the thing. He said, I'm not grieved over anybody I killed. Said it. But it grieves me that I brought so much grief to my wife and children. See, even a wicked man had a sense of propriety towards his children. He would go out and kill someone and rush back so he could go to his son's birthday party. And they had films of him having a great time. Kill, go to a birthday party, and hug the boy. What, what, what contrast. And Christ says, we know that earthly fathers can give good gifts to their children, even as sinners. He calls them evil. I believe it's the idea of a sinner. Well, how much your heavenly father? Comparison. Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Uh, This is an astounding verse to me. I must finish in five minutes because we're going to take communion, but I must, I want to do my best. What's astounding about this verse is that if you're a dispensationalist like I am, uh, we, I grew up as saying you never pray that prayer because we all got the Holy Spirit. And I repented this week over that. That's a wrong interpretation. Uh, Because did you know that they prayed for the Spirit right through the book of Acts? They prayed for it in the epistles. You read Ephesians 1 and chapter 3. He's praying that God might give you the Spirit of wisdom. He's praying in chapter 3 that you might know the Spirit and the power that raised Christ from the dead. May you know that power working in you in service. And I believe this is one of the things he's really saying One of the greatest gifts God wants to give us is the Holy Spirit and his empowerment and enablement for our lives and for our service. But none of us pray for it. That's what the charismatics do and all the mixed up folks. No, I'll tell you who's mixed up. You and I. Because this praying for the Holy Spirit is... uh, Uh, what can you really do in your life without divine help? And who did Christ and the Father send on the day of Pentecost to help the church in her earthly journey? The Holy Spirit. 
And so you come to the Father, I need help. You said you would not leave me without comfort. You'd send another comforter. I, uh, I am the driest Sunday school teacher these poor kids has ever heard. One reason is you don't pray for the Spirit to make a difference. Let me tell you, when I was called to preach as a 15-year-old boy, I prayed for three years early in the morning, and this was my prayer. Oh, Lord, deliver me from this calling. For I do not want to bore people. I've seen people sleep through sermons, and I've seen men that thought they were called, and they should have been undertakers. They embalmed the saints. When they read the Bible, ether comes off the pages. I don't want to be a part of that. If you can't do more with this poor boy than just putting saints to sleep, I went out. And I prayed that for years, all the way through high school, every day. Lord, don't, because I, I failed. I was poor. I didn't know how, but I, 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 none of you ever known this. I preached before and sleep under my bed at night. I was so embarrassed at how bad I did. I pulled the sheets over my head. God, you call this a gift, what I just did tonight? I set that church back three years. <laughs> I mean, I preached on God's lucky number one night, just an inspiration. And my brother Paul said, Phil, we're coming home. He said, you've been watching too much TV. When's the last time God threw any dice? I said, well, I just thought it was a nice idea. He said, well, you need to, you know, flake off, boy. You're drinking something in your Kool-Aid. But I, I had some very creative sermons of which the saints regurgitated. You ought to have that weight. God's called me to preach. Yeah? Or preach? Uh, 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 you're dismissed. That's a heavy weight. You know what I was counting on? The Holy Spirit. I can't do this unless there's a Holy Spirit. Some folks are just natural speakers. Let them go. Go, Socrates. Go, Aristotle. See if anybody gets saved. Go ahead, speech department, Cal Berkeley. When you get through, I want to see if anybody came out of drunkenness, came out of darkness, had their chains fall off. Your whole speech department can't set anybody free. It's people who preach the gospel that people get set free. Bring all your choirs and show me how many got saved. And I'll bring you some ragged preachers that God turned the world upside down with. It hadn't been music. It hadn't been testimonies. It's been men that preached the Bible that God has set people free and they walked out of the chains of their darkness. I'm telling you, God's ordained that men preach. Now, somebody's got to say yes, but they can't preach in their own power. But they can ask for the Spirit's help. I've heard ignorant farm boy preachers that you would be unimpressed with and the power would fall. Oh, I wish they were here. I'd love to see some of you fall out. You couldn't explain their credentials. Oh, they knew how to. My brother and I was at a camp meeting with a preacher and it was a powerful meeting. And one morning my brother says, where in the world, Brother Thomas, are you getting these sermons? Us preachers can't contain ourselves. Preachers getting happy, wanting to get saved practically, shouting. I mean, they were just preaching us happy. And he said, you see that tree, son? And he showed us an oak tree. It was out Marsh Creek by Concord. He said, every morning I hang out under that tree until God talks to my heart. And that's what I preach to you guys at night. 
I get it right there. You mean you didn't get that out of a commentary? No, I got it under that tree. You mean uh, McGee didn't tell you that thought? No, the Holy Spirit quickened it. See, we got a church that doesn't believe in prayer or the Holy Spirit. Because if you don't pray, you won't believe in the Holy Spirit. And if you really believe in the Holy Spirit, you'll pray a lot. They just work together. Prayer and the Spirit go together. Powerlessness in the church. No appetite for prayer. And I was just reading a history of revival that James Boyce gave. That before the great Welsh revival, uh, they had protracted prayer meetings. Moody started daily prayer meetings in Chicago before a great revival broke out that city. New York City, some businessmen began to pray downtown. Started out with two men and eventually was filling a hall up every noon as businessmen prayed. Every time there's been a great work of God in history, it was preceded by a church on its knees. There's a connection. Get the church on its knees, and the Spirit of God will do things you just can't imagine. I'm reading The Life of Moody, another biography, reading a Peter Cartwright that a sister gave me. And you can't explain some of the phenomenal results in earthly terms because it's a supernatural power working. And sometimes I get so tired of us doing the same thing year in and year out without little effects, little change, little power Why do we need more technology? That's what it is. We need more technology. It's never set anybody free. God's Spirit doesn't anoint machinery, and it doesn't anoint methods. It anoints people who wait on him. That's who he works on. He moves on men and women who pray. And wait, Jesus packed that there, not for us dispensations, to say, throw it out the window. We don't need that. If we've ever needed it, it's now. In the coldest era, we've got more people dying and going to hell with more toys in their hand than any generation ever. They'll die loaded with toys, but without God. Do we want God to save? Do we want God to do something in our meetings besides the preliminaries? Some of you, the most inspiration you get is read the bulletin during the sermon. We can't get you to prayer meetings, and I'm not going to waste my time on you. I can't waste my time. i got to get in a prayer meeting. It's for me. For I've preached long enough. I should start coasting any moment. And the moment I coast, I will slide right into a lukewarm dead preacher. Because God's not in love with me being here a long time. He's in love with somebody asking for this power. Asking for this presence. Asking for this thing that another generation hardly knows anything about. We need the power of the Spirit of God. Does anybody want it? Ask. Seek. Knock. And you will not come to an evil father. You'll come to a willing father. I close with this. We'll be a little late. So just as soon as you get in the foyer, you can turn on your cell phone. But don't you dare turn on now. <laughs> Hebrews eleven six says, God, they who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And the word for reward there is a little Greek word, apodidomai, which means to pay a daily wage. 
In the Bible, you get your wages every day at the end of the day. I, I always loved the verse, but it never came alive to me until one day, as I was uh, studying that verse, a childhood memory came back. I tell you this, and then we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Uh, I had a fall when I was two, put me on crutches and braces, up to about the fourth grade, then surgeries, all this stuff. But uh, I was on crutches and braces for two years. And uh, my dad was an iron worker. And in those days, he had a ride, and they let him off on Hoffman Boulevard. Hoffman is further south than Cutting. So they let him off at Hoffman, and he'd walk from Hoffman down into the projects where we lived in Harbor Gate. And so, as a little third grade boy, maybe seven years of age, I figured out what time he got home every night. I noticed the pattern. So I started uh, on my crutches and braces, about a block. I'd walk down to uh, the railroad tracks where he'd come. I couldn't go past those tracks because boys had been killed there, and I'd get a spanking if I even dared got on them. Because guys would jump on boxcars and miss and get killed. And uh, so I would go, and I'd just stand there at the railroad tracks until he showed up. He always wore khaki, button right up to the top, iron hat, and one of those old metal lunch buckets. And here he'd come. He's always singing or whistling. You can hear him coming. So he'd come. First night he came, he was so surprised to see me. You know what he did? Uh, he, he picked me up, crutches, braces and all, lift me up, hug me, and then he reached in his pocket, and it was either a nickel or a dime. You can buy a Coke for a nickel then. You didn't know I was that old, did you? Yeah, but you can buy a Coke for a nickel in the glass bottle. And so he, he gave me nickel or dime. Well, that was big, because, man, five mint juleps, you know, they could last you half a day. And so uh, that was great. I wasn't expecting that. The next night I was there, hello, Daddy. It's wonderful to be the seventh child. You get a little extra, you know. He got there, and he said, hey, open the lunch bucket. I opened the lunch bucket. Would you believe he'd save part of his lunch for me? One day he saved some of the fruit. The next day he saved a piece of pie. Now he's been climbing steel all day. And I came, I think, for nearly a week. I couldn't wait to get there after that. And you know what he was telling me? No boy of mine will make the effort and go out of his way to meet me at the tracks that I won't reward. If you want me that bad, I don't want the pie that bad. I want you to know it means something to your old dad. And one day it hit me, that's what you're telling me, Lord. I must believe that you are and that you'll reward me if I'll diligently seek you. And if you'll meet him at the tracks, he'll share his lunch with you. And that's exactly what he said in uh, Revelation 3 to the church that would not knock and made him knock. He said, if you'd open up this cold, drafty church that does not need me, I'll come in and share my lunch with you. We can sup. And God just wants somebody that wants him bad enough that he could share his lunch with you. 
Oh, you can't believe what's in the lunch bucket. He's got everything you ever dreamed of plus. If you'll make the effort to get to the tracks, if you'll make the effort to get to the door, he's standing behind it, and you know what? He's already in his mind. He's got his hand on the knob. He's already ready. He's just waiting to hear no matter what he... he, I've been waiting. What you need? I need the power of the Spirit first. I need with the Spirit. I need love, joy, peace. I need power and service. I need the Spirit to direct my steps. I need the I need the Spirit of God to teach me how to pray. I need the Spirit of God to energize me when I'm lazy and I don't want to. When I watch too much TV, when I become a couch potato and there's no uh, initiative in me, I need the Spirit to quicken me. Would you give me help? You knocked on the right door for help. I will help. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855 833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available. Again, they're at truthfortodayradio.org. Or, again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes.